Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologists Dr. Layla Dan Osman, Dr. Mary Simray McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Rend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the coping toolbox i'm dr jen and i'm joined today by my co-host dr mary we're going to cover a fascinating topic we're going to talk about the teenage brain we wanted to talk about the teenage brain because there's so many myths out there often teens are told that they're immature or hormonal or not thinking things through and we really want to talk about why these statements are made but we also want to focus on what amazing changes happen to the brain when kids go through adolescence. So the brain actually goes through tremendous growth through the first few years of life. And by just age six, our brain is about 90 to 95% done growing. So most of the brain growth is actually done by the time kids hit adolescence. And up until just a few decades ago, we actually thought that no more growth was happening. But what's really interesting is there's, although the brain is not physically growing, there's all this remodeling that's happening inside the brain. And what's really incredible with the teenage brain is that teens actually have the ability to influence those changes. So I wanted to start by talking about two of the really big things that happen in the adolescent brain. So Dr. Mary, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what these changes are. Yes, for sure. I would be happy to. Um, And I agree with you, Dr. Jen, the adolescent brain is really fascinating, really interesting. Um, The first thing that happens to the adolescent brain is something called pruning. And a way to think about pruning is that we're specializing our brains. So our brain is trying to get better at the things that it enjoys or the things that it wants to do. And it's laying down those pathways or circuits. So when people talk about things like kids being a lot like sponges because they seem to just absorb everything, the reason for this is that kids' brains are much more open to learning, whereas adult brains want to be more specialized in the things that they love. And this principle is something that we refer to as use it or lose it. The other thing that happens with the adolescent brain is that it's working on something called myelin formation. And this is where they're basically improving the connections in the brain. So when this happens, the connections in the brain get much faster and our brain cells become much better at being able to communicate with each other, which makes us even better at the things that we love and the things that we do a lot of. So whenever I'm talking about this, I always get a visual in my mind about a path that's getting formed the more that we walk on it. I sort of see, you know, this path that's getting deeper and deeper the more that we walk on it. I like that. I really like that analogy, Dr. Mary. And I know I've used that in the past where you kind of think about, um, you know, if there's been a snowfall and it's sort of like the first time walking a path in freshly fallen snow where you're kind of trudging through. And then the more you walk that path, the more quickly you can move along that path. So it sounds like the myelin formation is kind of that idea where you're able to travel the path more quickly. Exactly. Becomes quicker, becomes more efficient. Exactly. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, Dr. Mary, when we think about what you just described, 
sounds like the adolescent experiences are actually changing the brain, which is so fascinating. So you talked about the pruning and the use it or lose it, as well as being able to strengthen those connections. So I guess if we think about the little kid brain before adolescence, it's kind of supercharged with about a billion brain cells that support everything a young kid does. And then when we start to move into adolescence, the brain cells that are used are really being strengthened. So the ones we don't use are basically withering away. Yeah, that's right. And this withering away idea, I'm wondering if for some people that might sound a little bit scary, but is this something that we need to worry about at all? So that's a really good question. Um, and not at all. The answer is not at all. The withering away, it's actually really important and it's normal. So your brain doesn't need every one of those cells. And that's why we talk about this specialization. So it's letting go of them and allowing us to strengthen the connections that we really actually need so that the brain can work more efficiently. So adolescence is all about what we refer to as fine tuning the brain. The fine tuning is a long process and the brain isn't actually done this stage until the mid 20s. Yeah. Yeah. And I always find that interesting because I think that we sometimes assume that the brain is done developing as soon as a teenager technically becomes an adult. So as soon as they turn 18, for example, but this really isn't actually the case. And it's important to keep in mind that the brain is continuing to develop into those mid 20s. I was just I was going to say this is I find this really fascinating, too. So one, just kind of personally, I don't I definitely didn't realize this when I was in my early 20s and just acknowledging and being aware that, yeah, there's still a lot that's happening. You know, and, and I think even knowing that it's it's more common to be a little bit more emotional or emotionally driven during your early 20s is really helpful. The other thing I was going to say is even even as a parent, I have a young teen and sometimes I forget about this brain development and these stages and sometimes <laughs> the expectations that we place on our kids are that their brain is functioning like an adult brain. And I think it's really important yes. to just take a step back and realize no, their brain is still, it's in this wild time where it's really yeah. still forming a lot of these networks and circuits that they need. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great point and really something that's important to consider. And thinking about our kids or our teens or our young adults development in terms of their brain development as opposed to their age specifically is actually really helpful for us as well. Helps us to manage those expectations a little bit. The other thing that's kind of interesting about the process is that it doesn't happen to the whole brain all at once. So the process of becoming more efficient, here we're talking about the brain being less like a child's brain and more like an adult's brain. It happens from the back of the brain and it moves slowly toward the front of the brain. So the back of the brain is the first area that starts developing. So interesting, right? So you're talking about this rewiring that's happening and it starts at the back of the brain. And I know in past episodes, we've talked about some really important structures that are at the back of the brain. And one of those structures that we've talked about before is the amygdala, which yeah. we know the amygdala is involved in things like instinct, impulse, emotion, aggression, um, all of these types of things that are sometimes associated with adolescence and adolescent behavior. So these it's it's fascinating, right? Because the amygdala is really important in terms of quick 
responses and reacting quickly. And it's actually there to keep us alive and to keep us safe, right? Yes, it plays such an important role in our emotions, in our survival, essentially. Um, When we think about things like the fight, flight, freeze response, that's a response that allows us to act or react really quickly. And this in turn helps to protect us in some way. And that reaction actually starts in the amygdala. In the amygdala, And it's sort of funny because as we're talking, Dr. Jen, I'm here pointing to the back of my brain as we're talking, you know, kind of thinking about where the amygdala is. But that's where those reactions actually start because that's the area where we perceive fear. Right. So... It's, it's interesting, right? Because adolescents are so often accused of making emotionally driven decisions and not really thinking things through. But what you know we're learning about what we're describing is that this is the part of the brain that's developing first. And so it makes sense yeah. that they're going to be making some of these decisions that are gonna be driven more by instinct and more by emotion. And that, that's just part of biology. That's normal for that to be happening. Yeah, absolutely. And the other interesting part about it too, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit, but the back of the brain, so that area of the amygdala where the emotions are taking place, that's developing more quickly. And then the area at the front of the brain has not developed quite yet, is still in the process of developing. So that contrast is really driving a lot of those adolescent decisions. Right. So we've talked again, I think, in some past episodes about what's at the front of the brain. So um, obviously, this is going to be something important. So maybe, Dr. Mary, you can tell us a little bit about what sits at the front of the brain. Yeah, for sure. I would be happy to. And it's funny because this discussion that we're having, it made me think about how much you and I in our work, we actually do talk about this area, the front of the brain, um, especially working with teens because it comes up so often. Um, If we think about the part of the brain that's sitting right behind the forehead, that's the prefrontal cortex. And this is the decision-making part of the brain. So the way that I conceptualize this in my mind is that I think of us having this little coach that's sitting behind our forehead who's directing us through these complex executive functioning tasks. So things like planning or controlling our impulses, um, maybe helping us to filter if something's not going to be helpful, problem solving, pushing us to do things that we have to do even when we don't want to, and making balanced decisions. So it's like having this little coach there that's saying, okay, you need to do this. Nope, better not do that. Um, Kind of helping us through those decisions. Because the prefrontal cortex is still developing in teenagers, and because it's the last area to develop, just like we were talking about before, they end up relying so much more on the amygdala to make those decisions and to problem solve. So This is a lot of information. So just in an attempt to kind of summarize what we're talking about, we've talked about that the brain wires from back to front. And so at early adolescence, um, you know, and then right into our early 20s. So we're starting with the amygdala and then eventually moving to the prefrontal cortex. And the amygdala is the part that is really connected to our emotions, our impulses, aggression and instincts. Whereas the front of the brain, as you mentioned, the prefrontal cortex, that's the part that really makes out, makes well thought out decisions. 
So the part of our brain that kind of puts on the brakes, it calms us down, uses logic to think about consequences. And the front of the brain really helps in terms of kind of managing emotions and behaviors that might be risky. Since teen brains develop more from the back to the front, the way that they respond is gonna be heavily influenced by the amygdala, which is why teens are known to make some of these riskier and more emotionally driven decisions. Is that yeah. kind of, would you say that sums things up, Dr. Mary? Yeah, I think that summarizes really well. Okay, okay. So, and it's not to say that kids can't make good decisions, and I think that's a really important point to make, but just more to understand that when they're making decisions, they're often going to be more influenced by emotions and by instincts, right? Yes, exactly. Yep, and that that's developmentally very normal. Okay, okay. So now that we're understanding the brain a little bit better, I want to talk about something else that's important to consider with adolescent brain development. And many of us know that friends become much more important during adolescence. And I'm sure, Dr. Mary, you've worked with some parents. And, and I know being a parent of a young teen myself, I'm starting to see this. Um, and it really does seem that teenagers start to kind of pull away from their parents and their family. Yeah. And they want to spend more time with friends. So developing and maintaining friendships actually is a very important part of our development at this stage. And teens typically want more of that independence and less time with family. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of these social changes that are happening? Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, you know, these friendships are extremely important during adolescence. And these teen friendships, they help young people feel a sense of belonging, a sense of acceptance. They also support our development of things like compassion and caring and empathy. And they help us to form an identity outside of our families. So where prior to adolescence, we really envision ourselves as part of this nuclear family unit, um, we start to see ourselves as much more separate from that as we go through adolescence. And basically what's happening is that nature is essentially encouraging the child's brain toward this process of independence because that, you know, assists with survival and it helps us to grow up and do all of the things we need to do in adulthood. Um, and as a result, teens start to move away from that familiarity. So again, even things like family and more toward things that are unfamiliar and new. The thing that can be challenging about that process is that it's happening at a time where we have these social pressures. Um, we're also experiencing a lot of social benefits, but at the same time, the prefrontal co cortex remains less developed. So teens might be more inclined to make riskier decisions, um, to prioritize things like those social pressures in some instances, and to possibly be less concerned with the consequences. Right. So we know that adolescents are particularly prone to taking more risks, especially when they're around friends. So, you know, I think there are some probably some social things driving this, maybe that desire to impress friends, maybe a little bit of that wanting to become independent from their parents. The other thing that we know is that adolescents actually get a greater feeling of reward from their brain yeah. when they take risks compared to adults. So I find this really interesting, right? So 
for Dr. Mary and I, because of our age, <laughs> we're not going to get as much reward out of taking risks versus, you know, my, my teenager who will probably get a great deal more of that rewarding feeling when he takes a risk. And I think, again, it's really important to be thinking about this when our kids are making decisions and they're doing different things. And, you know, especially if we find, you know, although we do need rules and we need boundaries, when we're coming down really hard on our teens, I think it's really important to be aware that they're really getting this, this reward and they're getting it for a reason. It's driven yeah. by nature, it's driven by a biology, and it's really pushing them to kind of go outside of what's familiar to them and kind of strive to find some of that independence and, and really trying to relate to peers rather than their, their family or their parents. Yeah, absolutely. Serving a purpose. Exactly. Yeah. Another thing that I wanted to bring up, and uh, I always wanted to do this one carefully, but I wanted to talk a little bit about hormones, um, not to blame everything on hormones, because I don't think that's helpful for anyone, but just talking a little bit about the levels of hormones, such as estrogen and testosterone, they really do tend to increase during adolescence. So these hormones are linked to brain chemicals that help to control our mood and our emotions, right? So what that results in is we, as adolescents, they tend to have big feelings, really big feelings, and they might feel things more deeply than we do as adults. So again, just knowing that this is normal and this is healthy and that these really strong feelings may, they're not gonna last forever. And I know working sometimes with adolescents, when you get stuck in some of these really strong feelings, yeah. you feel like you're gonna be there forever and you're gonna be stuck yeah. in that forever. And so just knowing that they do become more manageable and that these feelings do start to dissipate a little bit. Um, the other thing about these really big feelings is sometimes they result in uh, unintentionally causing damage in relationships. So again, we often, you know, I think maybe, maybe not the right term for it, but we often talk about drama with friends and, you know, teenage <laughs> yes. drama and that type of thing. And I think, again, it's, it's really important that we're aware that they're feeling things so deeply and they're just yeah. learning to manage these feelings at the same time that the feelings are so powerful. Um, so these feelings, although they can do damage at times and, and you know, as, as parents, it's important that we're understanding as teenagers, it's important that you know, that you as a teenager understand how strong these feelings are. The other thing is that these feelings can push you to do really amazing things, right? They can push you to actually yeah. make some actions, you know, standing up for injustice or things that are actually really brave and, and creative and strong. And, you know, I think, again, we want to emphasize some of the great strengths and importance of developing the teenage brain. And these are some of the things that are really important. I love that you brought up that point, though. I think that it's such a, you know, special privilege that we have in working with teenagers that we really get insight into these passions and into sort of the positive side of some of these big emotions. And it is pretty phenomenal to hear about where some of that is being directed. Yeah. I also was thinking, Dr. Jen, about everything that you were talking about there. And again, just kind of thinking about this combined picture of these really big emotions and how a lot of the decisions are being driven by these big emotions at a time when, you know, friendships and social relationships are just at their peak of importance and also at a time where decision making is 
more challenging in many ways where we're more inclined to be impulsive, more inclined to be a bit reactive. And just how, you know, it's kind of a lot of different factors that teens are dealing with when we look at that combined picture of things. Yeah, and I think that comes back to, you know, one of the main messages today, which is just, you know, really trying to step back when your kids are making decisions and, you know, when they're doing things that maybe you don't fully agree with what they're doing, but that they're learning, right? And it is, there's a lot of different challenges that we're talking about here. Yeah, I agree with that. So the no need to freak out kind of feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the other things, so with all this extra time spent socializing, and one of the things we've spoken about before in our podcast episodes is uh, sleep. And so I know a lot of teenagers struggle with sleep. And I was thinking, Dr. Mary, maybe we could just briefly, because we have episodes that we talk about this, but maybe just briefly touch on this today. Yes, for sure. And, you know, another area that we talk about a lot in our work with teens, but, you know, basically bottom line, most teens or many teens don't get enough sleep and they actually have some really good reasons for this. Um, Certainly there's, you know, the FOMO and the social pressures and that kind of thing coming into play. Um, But there also are biological reasons for this. We know that teens end up having a different sleep schedule since for them, the melatonin, which is the hormone that makes us sleepy, it ends up being released later in teens than it is for adults and young children. So they're getting tired much later than we would be, um, but they also aren't able to get enough rest if they go to bed late since, you know, school starts early and the world kind of runs and operates during the day. Um, The downside of all of this is that not getting enough sleep can make things more challenging. So all this stuff that we're talking about here in terms of our ability to focus and decision make and, you know, control our impulses and all of those things become more challenging. And then in turn, that can impact our relationships or make us feel a little bit more emotional as well. It's so tough, right? Like, again, I'm just kind of thinking of all of these different things that we're talking about today. And once again, just how important it is to try to be patient and, and understanding with uh, with adolescents, just because it really is, there's a lot of things that are making it hard for them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think about all of these internal and external factors, right? So the internal, the changes in the brain and what's the hormones, what's happening in the body, and then the external things like, you know, friends, and a lot of them are heading to different schools for junior high or high school or university. That's a lot of different changes. And so I guess it's important to think about stress management and just learning to manage those emotions during adolescence. Um, So when we think about the teenage brain and how it's still developing, I'm curious about if it responds differently to stressful situations. And, you know, it seems it would be important for teens to learn to practice how to effectively and um, how in healthy ways can they manage some of uh, the stress that they're going through. Yeah, for sure. And 
as you were talking, I was thinking about that being important in two ways. One is, you know, all of the various areas that they're contending with, which you were just mentioning, those internal and external factors. But then also when we're thinking about the development of healthy and effective coping strategies, also thinking back to what we were talking about at the beginning in terms of developing those pathways and strengthening those pathways in the brain, how, you know, learning to do these things early and making these things a habit, how that can be so helpful long-term as we go through adolescence. Um, And, you know, it's so important because we know so well, especially now, that there are many mental health issues that do tend to develop during the teenage years. And again, there's just so much that teens are managing as far as these changes in their brains. And then, you know, these other big changes physically, emotionally, and socially, which then in turn makes them more vulnerable to some of these mental health problems as well. Um, I will say that the good news is that the teen brain does have a really incredible ability to adapt and to respond to new and changing situations and experiences. Um, And while this is happening, so while the brain is adapting and changing, sometimes we do see things like risk-taking, again, and poor impulse control and, you know, self-consciousness and that sort of thing. But it's important not to see these things as being completely negative um, because they are really developmentally normal and we don't want to stigmatize them. It's also important to recognize these things as a reflection of the brain growing and developing It's in the process of becoming more independent. And these situations provide opportunities for learning and creativity and their social development as well. So a lot is happening in turn, um, in terms of their learning. The teen brain also has a lot of plasticity. So that means that it can change and adapt and respond to its environment. And when we do things that challenge us, I will say, you know, kind of within our window of tolerance, but when we do things that are challenging at this stage, like academics or just different mentally stimulating activities, exercise, creative activities, these also can help the brain to mature and learn as well. Those are really great points, Dr. Mary. And I think most importantly, just recognizing that there are some real positives And one of the things I wanted to talk about next is just some things that parents can do to help their teens during this time, because as much as we want to focus on the positives, it's definitely a challenging time as well. So uh, we've mentioned this already, but just it's really important to be patient with your child and with your adolescent. As we said, it's typical for teens to choose higher risk activities, express their emotions more strongly and make impulsive decisions. So just being patient with that. It's really helpful to have family routines to give your child structure. And Dr. Mary, you mentioned earlier, the sooner we start this, the better. And um, just trying to ensure that your adolescent is getting proper sleep, nutrition, exercise, you know, those famous anchors that we've talked about in many of our episodes are so important. And also as a parent, trying to role model some of those things, right? It's easier for us as parents, too, uh, because we aren't as likely to be engaging in the risk-taking behavior and some of those things we talked about today. Um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about just encouraging positive behaviors 
and providing opportunities for your child to engage in healthy activities. So we mentioned this is a time to really strengthen some of those connections in the brain. So if your kid enjoys music, doing what you can to encourage that. If they're into sports, again, opening up those opportunities for them. If they're really driven by academics, seeing what you can do to help them with that. Um, and just in that note as well, just finding creative outlets for your kids. So trying to figure out what they like and allowing them the independence to choose, but making sure that you're providing some of those healthy outlets for them. Um, the other thing I did want to mention too is sometimes we're so busy being tough on our child or, you know, having rules and reinforcing the rules, but just also taking some time to provide praise, right? Mm, and, you know, sure. even if it seems like your adolescent or your teen doesn't appreciate it, often that praise is really helpful and it can really go yeah. a long way. Did you have any other tips or suggestions, Dr. Mary, for helping teens through this difficult time? Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the big things that I often talk to parents about, and it's something that I also keep in mind for myself as a parent all the time, to be honest with you, but it's really the importance of keeping these lines of communication open with our kids and teens, um, doing our absolute best to stay connected to them. I just see this as an incredible protective factor that we can provide in our relationships and that we can provide to our teens when we're able to keep the conversation going and to keep talking with them, um, we can help to support their decision-making um, and we can help them problem-solve and help through a lot of these things. The other thing I will say is that, you know, boundaries, of course, continue to be important, especially because we know that part of a teenager's job is to actually find boundaries and push against it. So if there is no boundary there, they'll keep pushing and keep pushing looking for one. Um, but we do need to keep in mind that we have to be willing to negotiate these boundaries, especially as our teens get older. So ideally, when we're, you know, approaching our teens, we want to really be open, we want to, you know, be approachable for them, um, so that they're able to talk through their decisions with us. And instead of coming down hard and telling them what to do in a situation, we can talk through it with them. We can talk about things like what they might do, um, what the consequences of each choice might be. We can help them learn how to weigh out the pros and cons of a decision. Um, we also can try to encourage empathy by talking to them about how we feel or how others might feel based on their decisions as well. So, you know, keeping those lines of communication open, it's really helpful for lots of reasons. Um, the final tip that I would offer is that I think it's really important that we approach our teens with respect and that we listen to what they have to say. Because teens get such a bad rap so often, I think they often feel like nobody listens to them or nobody really cares or doesn't really appreciate their point of view. And that's very hard because they do have strong opinions. They do have, you know, deep emotions about things. They are very passionate about a lot and they often do have a lot to share. So even if we disagree with a choice that they're making or even if we're trying to move more into a problem solving kind of discussion as a starting point if we can help them to feel heard I really feel that this is a very helpful way of approaching things with them I'd like uh, especially like that last point Dr. Mary and I'm just as you were saying it I was thinking through 
you know, in particular, helping our teens feel heard about anything, but especially their emotional experiences, right? Yeah. And we talked earlier about how strong their emotions are. And it can be, you know, sometimes the case where as adults will try and say, you know, it's not such a big deal, or you shouldn't be so upset by that. But again, just trying to even take their perspective a little bit and realize they're really driven by these strong emotions and just trying to recognize how challenging that can be at different times. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, in my experience with teenagers, one thing that I've really noticed with them is that the instant that they feel heard, they immediately shift into that problem solving. So it, it's like the emotional stuff settles a little bit and they start to shift into, you know, this other kind of realm of, of problem solving, which is really cool. Just, yeah, the importance of that emotional connection, definitely. Yeah. 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 So I'd like to just to wrap things up. We're coming to the end of our episode and I'd like to finish with a, th- a few important points to keep in mind. So Dr. Mary, do you want to maybe start with something that you think is important based on our conversation today for people to keep in mind? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we talked about lots of different, lots of different things, but, you know, encouraging our listeners to keep in mind that this period of adolescence, it's a time of huge reorganization of the brain and that this process does not magically stop at age 18. It actually continues into our mid twenties. That's a great point. Yeah. And I think another thing that I had wanted to mention was just keeping in mind that biology is really motivating and driving kids to spend more time with friends and engage in some of these riskier behaviors. And as parents, we still need to have rules, but it really is important as our kids get older to negotiate these rules to allow more independence as our adolescents mature. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for the last um, point, we just talked about this, you know, in a bit more detail, but just continuing to do our best to keep that open dialogue. Um, Many adolescents, they do, you know, as part of this developmental stage, try to push parents away. Um, But it's really important that we don't let that shut us down as parents, that they also need to know that we love them and that we support them and that we're there for them and that we're noticing the wonderful things that they're doing as well. That's a really important point as well. The last thing I wanted to say is just that this time in development really is remarkable. And that's why we wanted an episode devoted just to talking about this. It's so cool. Yes, exactly. Adolescence is a time where our brains are wired for learning and creativity and taking a stand for things that are really important and meaningful. And there's just, there's so many wonderful things that are happening during this period of life. And so keeping all those things in mind is really important. So thank you so much for this great conversation, Dr. Mary. We'll be sure to attach links to the resources. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners.